It's so great to be with you today. Welcome to everybody. My name is Jordan, and I am one of the pastors here. It's so great to be here in the auditorium with all of you. And uh, hello to everybody watching online. So glad you could join us. We're so grateful for the technology that if you're stuck at home, you're still able to be part of our church family in this way. So before we get into talking about friendship, want to just let you know that out in the information center, we have a resource table there. And at the resource table, there's a number of books that we believe that if you pick them up, they'll help you to grow in your walk with Jesus and your formation um, to become more like Jesus. And so if you're looking for something to grow, to help you to grow, there's a couple new books I want to draw your attention to. One is called Made for Friendship, and it's a practical book about friendship and how we can become better friends. And then there's another book that's called uh, Good and Beautiful God, and it's a book with spiritual practices to help you to know God more closely. And so those are sold at a reduced rate to help them get into your hands if you um, are interested in those. Um, we hope if you're looking for something to grow in 2024, that would be a benefit to you. So let's talk about friendship. As we talk about friendship, I want to talk to you about a, a movie called Free Solo, which sounds like a Star Wars movie, but it's not. So don't make that mistake and show up thinking you're going to get to see Star Wars and it's a guy climbing a mountain. Um, you're like, where does, like, where does the lightsabers and things? It never happens. But anyway... There's a guy named Alex Honhold, and, and Alex climbs a mountain. So this is Alex, and he climbs a mountain, El Capitan, in Yosemite National Forest or National Park. That mountain climbs it without any ropes or harnesses. He just has his climbing shoes, his hands, and then he's got a bag of chalk on his back, and he climbs this mountain. And he's got to be perfect, that if he slips at any moment, he will plummet to destruction. And so every handhold, every foothold has to be perfect. That if he makes one mistake, he will come plummeting off the mountain. And there is no harness, there is no rope that is going to catch him. And if you've seen the documentary, it is like white knuckles, sweaty palms. You're like, what is going to happen to this guy? So it starts by him talking about how he wants to do this. And then the final part of it is him climbing the mountain. And you're just like, am I going to watch this guy fall off this mountain? Like, he, can he be perfect? It is intense. And I tell you about that documentary because I think in 2024, it's a good illustration for friendship. It's this good illustration for what people are experiencing in their friendships. Because I think so many people, we've gotten to a place where you have to be perfect in friendship that as you climb that mountain of friendship, there is nothing to protect you if you slip or fall. If you make a mistake, you're going to come off the mountain. And, and so people are so nervous because you find out there's something in me that's annoying, I'm done with you. Or you find out there's something difficult in me, you might be done with me. Or if you find out that I vote for this person and you vote for that person, you might be done with me. Or if I find out that you have this stance on this political matter or on this thing or that thing, be done with each other. And so what it creates is a whole bunch of people standing at the bottom of the mountain. Because if you were to tell me, Jordan, you got to climb that mountain with no rope, I'm like, okay, I'll get about a foot off the ground. Like I might look for a handhold or two, but that's all the further I'm going to go. Because eventually I'm going to slip and fall off this mountain, so I want it to be like a couple inches, not a couple thousand feet that I fall. And so people have all these shallow friendships where they guard against really letting you know who I am because as soon as you really know who I am, you're going to find out something about me you don't like. Because we've gotten to this place in our society, this movement has occurred where you remove anybody in your life that's not life-giving. And so you're, you're friends until you find out 
that you chew really loudly when you eat. And so we're, we're done. Or we're friends until I find out that you hold your fork like that when you eat. Or we're, we're friends until I find out that, again, you vote for that person or this person, or you like this sport or that sport, or this is what you do with your free time. You crochet? Or you, you do whatever it is? Not that there's anything wrong with crocheting, but just want to be clear about that. But we have these things where people go like, okay, that, that's not life-giving anymore. I'm done. And so we are afraid to climb the mountain of friendship because all it takes is a slip. All it takes is that you find out there's something in me that is grating against you and you're going to cut me off. And so how can we climb the mountain the traditional way with ropes and harnesses and people that are supporting me? Because traditionally what happens is someone climbs the mountain and as, even if they're the lead climber, they're in a harness. And every 10 feet or so, they, they carabiner or lock into the mountain so that if they slip, they fall back to that anchor point. So the most that they can fall is from the top anchor point that they're hooking into to the one they've already been hooked into, which is like 10 feet. And so even if it's a big slip, it's 10 feet or it's 20 feet. It's not the mountain. And so that's what I want to talk about today is how can we develop some friendship principles that will help us in our friendships so that if we do find those moments where we find out that someone is grating against us or someone sins against us, that they wouldn't, we wouldn't come plummeting off the mountain, but instead we would just fall a few feet. So let's pray. Father God, God, would, would you please help us in this? God, this is going against the grain of our society, and so it makes it difficult. Anytime we go against... Um, the grain, it's tough. And so would you help us, Lord, in this, to, to follow you and to live like you? And God, would you help us to know the places where we need to grow in this and places where we need to seek forgiveness, places we need to give forgiveness? God, we ask for your help in all of this. God, I also want to just thank you for um, our volunteers that cleared our parking lot so we could get in without having to walk through snow drifts and things. And I also want to thank you for um, the city's employees who've been working uh, all throughout the week to get our roads cleared so we could be here today. God, thank you for the, the blessing that it is to have that. And God, we pray that you would just work in us this morning. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to start in Philippians 4, verse 2. So Philippians is the New Testament towards the back of your Bible. The easiest way for me to find it is to look for 2 Corinthians and then once I find 2 Corinthians, I slow down because it goes 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So Philippians 4, verse 2 is where we're going to start. We're just going to read verses 2 and 3. While you're flipping there, I want you to know that this is coming at the end of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And so at the end of the letter, he, he does some housekeeping things. There's some things where he writes directly to a couple individuals, and he wants to give them a message. And so he's going to do that here in verse 2. He says, I plead with Judea, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. So what's going on is at the end of this letter, he's saying there's these two women that are in their church. They could very well be church leaders, Judea and Syntyche, and they are at odds with one another. They were working together before. They were friends before, and now that now that something happened, occurred, whether it was they were just annoyed or whether they sinned against each other in some way, and now there isn't this forgiveness. There isn't this restoration. 
And so Paul is writing to them, and he's also writing to another church leader he calls a true companion to help these two women to find restoration, to find forgiveness between each other so that they could be restored. Because they used to strive together for the cause of the gospel, used to work side by side together, and now it seems like there's division in the church, and they've surrounded, so part of them is surrounding Syntyche, and then part is surrounding Judea, and he's saying, this isn't how it's supposed to look. It's supposed to be a unified family and a unified group. And so he says, would you work together to bring them together, to help them to be of the same mind? So I bring this to you because I want you to see this isn't just a 2024 problem, that throughout history we struggle in our friendships, struggle in our relationships. It it could be in friendships, could be in in families, could be in marriages. We struggle in these things where it's easy for there to be something that occurs that brings us apart. And so Paul was writing to them to be restored. And so now we're in it the rest, now with the rest of our time, we're going to look at Colossians 3. So if you just turn over a couple pages, you should find Colossians 3, verse 12. And we're going to look at some principles to forming deep and lasting friendships. It says, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let's go back to verse 12, and we're going to slowly walk through and unpack this. So he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So he says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He doesn't say, if you want to be God's chosen people. He doesn't say, if you want to be loved. He doesn't say, if you want to be um, accepted or if you want to be holy. He says, because you already are these people. Because you already are chosen by God. The God wanted to rescue you, wanted to adopt you into his family. Because God already declared you holy. Because God has already dearly loved you. Because he's done these things in your life, then go and live a certain way. He says, because of this, I want you to clothe yourselves. I want you to put on compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So it says, this is what I want you to put on. This is what I want you to become. This is what I want you to cover yourself with as these attributes, humility and kindness and compassion and gentleness and patience. And I want you to do this because you are chosen by God. You are loved by God. You are holy. We don't do it so we become those things. We do it because we are those things. So I want you to live in alignment with who you are. So you just think for a moment. So th- these verses are not directly about friendship, but we can apply them to friendship. You think about if, if you are someone who is striving to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient, and then you have a friend who is striving to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient, like life's going to go pretty well. Your friendships are going to be strong. But you're going to have these moments 
when you sin against one another. You're going to have these moments when you fail each other. Like, it's just going to happen. This is what happens when we're flawed human beings. This is going to occur, even at the best of intentions, with the best of our abilities. These things are going to happen. And so then Paul says to us in verse 13, Paul says, bear with each other and forgive one another. It says, bear with each other. We're going to go there first. Bear with each other. So the Greek word that we translate bear with is anekome. Anekome. And it means to endure something unpleasant or difficult, whether on one's own behalf or on behalf of someone else. To endure something unpleasant or difficult, whether on one's own behalf or on behalf of someone else. That's what it means to bear with. And we have to admit, I think, for many in the U.S., we struggle right now in this season to bear with people. That, that so often what we want to do is if someone is not life-giving, if they become unpleasant or they become difficult, we want to cut them off. And we say, well, well that person's not life-giving anymore, so I'm going to cut them out of my la- life. And then we do it again and again and again until eventually there's nobody in our life except for us. And we would cut us out of our lives because we're also not that life-giving, but we can't get rid of us, and so it's just us. And we're lonely. And, and we're lonely because we've cut all these people out because they were unpleasant at times, or they were difficult at times. And so to be clear, he's not saying dangerous. He's not saying this person is dangerous and bear with them. He's saying this person is difficult. This person votes differently than you. Or or this person, um, they spend their money differently than you. Or they chew their food differently than you. Or they like different things than you do or they mow their lawn differently than you do, or whatever it might be, but all of us have things inside of us that can be annoying to other people, and we can find something in everybody that we can be annoyed by. And so we have to choose to bear with, and Paul is calling us to bear with one another, because otherwise we're gonna end up all alone, because there is very few, if any, people that don't annoy us in some way, shape, or form. So Paul calls us to love them and to bear with them, to stand by them. So our first point this morning, our first takeaway is that lasting friendships accept that each friend is flawed. Lasting friendships accept that each friend is flawed. That if we don't accept that we are people in process that are not perfect, that have flaws and need to grow, and that our friends are people in process that are flawed, that have areas that they need to grow, there is no hope for lasting friendships. Because it's only a matter of time before these different things come out and we get annoyed by them at times. So for instance, in my family, one of, one of the areas of tension is that I walk really fast. I have long legs, and so wherever we go someplace, I walk fast. My kids do not have long legs. They have short legs, and they walk really slow. And on top of that, they are easily distracted. And so they are excited about every rock, every flower, every bug, all the things. And so if we walk on the hike and bike trail by the canal, what happens is I am up in the front, because I want to get places. Like, we're going to need to get there and get back to our house, and I want to do it as quickly as possible. 
And my kids are like, they want to smell every flower, and they want to throw rocks in the canal, and they want to sit down, and they want to enjoy themselves. And so I'm out in the front, and my wife is in the middle, and my kids are in the back, and my wife is going, please, Jordan, slow down. We are like losing them. And I'm like, no, please, speed up. We need to go. And, and so we grate on each other. Like, it is frustrating to me at times that they are so slow. And I'm sure it is frustrating to my wife that I'm walking so fast. And she's not just going to abandon our kids. And I'm like, they'll get there eventually. Hopefully. Probably. Though, <laughs> I wouldn't abandon them. Don't worry. But I'm like, come on! But here's what happens. Because we choose to bear with each other, because we love one another, we continue to go on walks. Because the other option, I could say, we're never going to go on a walk again. Like, I'm done walking with you. Like, when you guys get older and you have long legs and you go fast, we can walk again. But until that time, we're not walking anywhere. Or I could be like, we're going to put them in a stroller, and you're going to be in a stroller until you're 15. And people are like, what is going on? <laughs> like, they walk too slow. But that's not good for them or for me. So what happens is that we have to bear with each other. And so I go slower. And we stop sometimes, because my, my son has a spot. He calls it his spot, and we stop there, and they throw rocks into the canal, and, and we look at the sun, and, it, and it's these beautiful moments that I would have ran by and walked by and hurried by, but we slow and we stop, down, we stop because that's what they want to do, and I'll sit there sometimes, and I'll go, man, God, it's a good day. This is a good spot, which I would have missed if I had just been doing things my way. And so lasting friendships have to accept that each friend is flawed, that there are things in me, there are things in you that we're going to grade against each other, but if we both accept that, then, then we're going to be able to climb up the mountain together. Okay, verse 13, we'll go back to that. So he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So I love that he says, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Because to me... He, didn't, he doesn't just come straight and say if someone has sinned against one another, but he says a grievance, which is this idea that, that someone could be blamed for a problem. So what I picture, maybe it's wrong, but what I picture is that like someone chews really loudly and it, it annoys you. And so you get a whole people together, a panel, if you will, to listen to this person chew. And five out of 10 on the panel agree, or maybe eight out of 10 agree, like that's really loud. Like you, you can be annoyed by that. He says, even if you have that, he says, forgive them anyway. It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so I have to ask the question, how did God forgive me? How did the Lord forgive me? And I always think to Luke 23, 34. And in Luke 23, 34, Jesus has been crucified. They have driven nails through his wrists, through his feet. They have ripped the skin from his back. They have forced a crown of thorns onto his head. He is suffocating or bleeding to death. They have stripped him of his clothes. People are mocking him, belittling him, spitting on him. And into all of this, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So this is the darkest moment in his life, and he looks out over this, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Like, if you, you want to see the heart of a person, you look at the, what's going on in them when they're in pain and trial. That that's when the most natural version of them comes through. When the, the, the mask goes away and who they are comes out and Jesus in his moment 
His bent is forgiveness. His bent is to say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They do not know what they are doing. Now, imagine if this is me, and that moment I'm saying, Father, get them. Get them for what they're doing to me. That I am a righteous person, and they are hurting me, and they are killing me, and they are mocking me, and do they know who I am? But that's not what God does. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And so I want to be like Jesus. I, I want to grow. I'm not there yet, but I want to grow to when my friends, they sin against me, my heart is not to get even with them or to punish them. My heart is to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't realize what they're doing to me in this moment. They don't realize what they're doing through their words or their actions. Father, forgive them. When I think about Jesus, I also think about his friendships. The Bible records a few of them for us. One is Peter. So Peter is one of Jesus' closest friends. And the night that Jesus is betrayed, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. Three different instances, people say, hey, are you friends with him? Do you know him? And three times, Peter says, no, I don't know him. Like, imagine for a moment that you were falsely accused of something. The police come to your house to arrest you. And you're being led out in handcuffs to the police car. And your friend walks by walking their dog. And the police officer says, hey, do you know this guy? And your friend says, no, don't know him. Don't know her. You imagine the betrayal you would feel in that moment. Imagine the knot in your stomach that would form there. You're like, what? You begin to think of all the times you were there for them, and this is how you're going to treat me. You get in the police car, and they take you down to the police station. Your friend hops in his car and trying to figure out what's going on, so he drives down to the police station. You're sitting there waiting to get booked in. As you're sitting there, he walks in. Another police officer sees him and says, hey, are, are you here for him? You know him? And again, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't know him. And then it happens a third time. Like, how frustrated, how tempted would you be to say, I'm done with you. We, we are done. I'm over this. Not Jesus. The Bible records for us that after Jesus dies and is resurrected, Peter is fishing. Jesus shows up on the shore. Peter swims to shore, and Jesus forgives him. Three times, Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me? And three times, Peter says, you, you know I love you. And it's this, this interaction of forgiveness where Jesus gets to ask him three times, hey, I know you denied me three times. Will you acknowledge that you love me three times? He forgives him. Another friend of Jesus that I always think about is Judas. Judas Iscariot, the guy who's famous for betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. On the night that Judas is going to betray Jesus, they're all sitting around having a dinner together, the Last Supper, and Judas is there. And while they're eating, Jesus says, hey, one of you is gonna betray me. And I always thought in that moment, the disciples are gonna all turn and look at Judas and say, I wonder who he means, Judas. But that's not what happens. Instead, each disciple says, is it me, Lord? Is it me, am I the one? which says to me that Jesus loved Judas so well, so consistently, and the same as all the other disciples that in that moment when he declared that someone's gonna betray me, nobody knew that it was Judas 
because they didn't see a difference in themselves from between them and Judas. Which means for two or three years, as Jesus is loving Judas, knowing that Judas is going to betray him, he laughs with Judas the same way he laughs with the rest of the disciples. He's there for Judas the way he's there for the rest of the disciples. He listens to them the way he listens to the rest of the disciples. That there is no difference in the way that he loves and cares for Judas and the way that he loves and cares for the rest of the disciples, despite the fact that he knows you're going to sell me out for 30 pieces of silver. So our second takeaway this morning is that lasting friendships are quick to forgive. That if we're going to have friendships that last, we have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to forgive. And we have to be quick to do it because we're going to have lots of opportunities to give and to receive forgiveness. That we are imperfect people who are going to harm one another because we're in process. And it goes back to, again, that idea that they're compassionate and loving and kind and they're doing the best that they can and we're doing the best that we can. But, but it's a process. Colossians 3.14 says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It says, over all those other virtues, over the, the compassion, the kindness, the humility, the gentleness, the patience, over bearing with one another, and over forgiving one another, we wrap love all around that. Because love says that I am for you. Love says that I'm not just here to get what I can get out of this where I love myself. Love says, no, I'm here to serve and to care for you. I'm here to give to you in this. Proverbs 17, 9 says, Who would ever, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. The idea is that if, if you love someone, you are cover over their offense. Now, it's not a cover-up. A cover-up is I did something wrong and I'm trying to minimize it. I'm trying to not let anybody know that I did this. But what is happening in this verse is saying the person wronged you they came to you, they admitted their wrong, and they said, hey, I'm sorry, I did this thing, I should not have done this. And then instead of you bringing it up again and again, you cover over it. You say, I forgive you. And this thing is done. We're gonna put it behind us and we're not gonna talk again about it. First Peter 4, 8 says something similar. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So again, it's not a cover-up, but it's someone coming and admitting, hey, I sinned against you. I'm bringing this to light. I want you to know this. But then that person loves you, is for you, and so they say, you know what? I forgive you. We're moving on. We're not going to hold on to this. So our third takeaway this morning is that lasting friendships are for one another. We're for one another. That if we want friendships to last, we're not, we have to be people that don't say, I'm just here to get what I can get out of this. What is in this for me? Because all the people that are saying, I'm cutting you out because you're not life-giving, they're saying, I was in this for me, and now there's nothing in this for me, so I'm done. But Paul is calling us to be friends who are for one another. They would say, I am in this with you, even when it's painful, even when it's difficult, even when it's unpleasant for me, because I'm here for you. I'm not here to get what I can get out of this. But again, you have two friends who are striving to do this. So it's not just one friend who is dependent on the other person. It is two friends who are saying, we are interdependent. I, I care for you and you care for me. I forgive you, you forgive me. I am for you, you are for me. This is what we're looking for in friendship. This is what's gonna help us get to that mountaintop of friendship and to get beyond 
just shallow friendship that hangs around the bottom and, and exists in a way where if one of us slips, we're gonna catch each other and we're not gonna fall all the way down off the mountain. Colossians three fifteen through 16. Paul goes on to say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs for the Spirit, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace that comes from knowing that you have been forgiven by God rule in your hearts, that it would help you to go and forgive and make peace with this other person, that we need to be peacemakers, need to be people that would go and be reconcilers and make peace with our friends, with our family members, with our spouses, whoever it is that we're at odds with, whoever it is that we find them grating and we're willing, we've been wondering, should, should I cut them off? Instead, we look for restoration, we look to make peace. And we do this by letting the message of Christ dwell among you richly. The message of Christ is the gospel. It is the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is applied to us by faith. That it comes into our lives by faith. And that message is that I deserve to be cut off. I deserve to be separated from God. But God suffered for me. Like if there was ever a being that should have cut off all the toxic people, it was the Trinity. It was the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit who had perfect unity, perfect relationship, that they don't need anything from us. They are not getting anything from us. And yet the Father says, I am willing to send the Son. And the Son says, I am willing to go and to suffer. And the Holy Spirit comes into our life to strengthen us and mold us and shape us. And so when I think about the fact that I should have been cut off, I deserved to be cut off, and God willingly rescued me when there was nothing in it for him. But he said, I love you and I care about you and I want you to be a part of my family. And so I remember that I am chosen, that I am made holy by Jesus, that I am loved by God. It fuels my ability to go and forgive. Fuels my ability to bear with because I think about how many times God bared with me when I didn't deserve it. Finally, verse 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, which includes friendship, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the reality is if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, and people know that about you, whatever you do, they interpret it as this is what Jesus would do. You're a representative, an ambassador, a messenger on behalf of Jesus. And so when you treat a friend a certain way, if that person doesn't know Jesus, they think this is what Jesus would do to me. Or even if they do know Jesus, there's this question in them, is, is this what God's doing to me, that, that I sinned against my friend and my friend is cutting me off, is God cutting me off as well? Is he abandoning me as well? And so we have to strive to the best of our abilities. And again, we're flawed, so we're gonna be imperfect at this. But to the best of our ability, we have to strive to love the way Jesus loves because people are interpreting our actions as Jesus' actions towards them. And so as we are representatives, we go and do whatever it is in the name of the Lord Jesus. We go as a representative, as ambassador towards him. And to the best of our ability, we love like he loves, we forgive like he forgives because we represent him everywhere we go. 
So as we wrap up, let's think about a couple reflection questions. First question I would love for you to think about now and then maybe dwell more on later is this question. Have you abandoned a friend or a family member that you should have endured with? Is there someone in your life that they became unpleasant or they became difficult and you decided to to cut them off? You decided that, that this was just too tough. And so you, you cut them off. And perhaps what God is calling you to this morning is to seek to rebuild that friendship. Another question would be, is there someone is right now in your life that you have been tempted to or you're considering cutting off? That it's just been getting difficult. They're just in a season of life that's really tough and you're just going, man, is it, is it worth it? And God's calling you to bear with them. Ask God to help you. Ask God to give you that fuel to walk with them and to help them and to be with them so that they would know they have this tangible experience that God is not abandoning them. And then lastly, is there someone that you need to forgive? Or is there someone that you need to ask for forgiveness? That perhaps you have a friend that you need to forgive, but perhaps there's a friend that you need to forgive them, or you need to go ask them for forgiveness. And they might not give it, but still you can go and ask and say, hey, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. Would you forgive me? And hopefully they'll say yes. But even if they don't, you've done your part. And so I invite you just to wrestle through and think about what is it, God, that you would have me to do for this. And maybe it's just, you're doing the right thing. That you've been bearing with, you've been enduring, and it's been hard, and you're going, man, should I keep doing this? And today you're just hearing God say, yes. You're doing the right thing. Keep going. I am with you, and I am for you, because I, too, am a friend to you. Let's pray. Father God, God, I thank you that Jesus is the friend of sinners. Because I am a sinner who needs a friend. And I am a a sinner who deserved to be cut off, and yet you chose to not cut me off. And so God, when there are people in my life that I'm tempted to move away from, I'm tempted to minimize their influence in my life or just their presence in my life, God, would you please help me to lean into them and not away from them? God, would you, would you help me to, to know that I am flawed the way that they are flawed? That there are not perfect, righteous people apart from Jesus. There are just people in process that are in need of grace. And so would you help me to receive and to give grace? And God, I, I pray that you would help us to be quick to forgive. Because I need forgiveness and I also need to show forgiveness. So God, would you help us to be people who would forgive, who would seek to be, seek to understand one another, seek to walk alongside one another, that we would be representatives of our great King and our great God, who looked down over creation, who was murdering him, mocking him, spitting on him, belittling him, torturing him. And he said, Father, would you forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Would you help us to have that attitude, that heart with our friends? 
God, we, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your long suffering with us, for your willingness to bear with us. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen.